Greetings CinemaBlend fans, host Eric Eisenberg here with a special message before this week's episode. This past weekend down in San Diego for Comic-Con, we recorded a special episode of the show which unfortunately fell victim to technical difficulties. As a result, we don't have a full Comic-Con recap for you this week, but we do have a great chat waiting for you about James Gunn, the big DC trailers, animated superhero movies, and a whole lot more. Enjoy. Hello everyone, it's time once again for a Hero Blend, the weekly podcast where we talk everything superheroes. I'm Adrian Jones, here as usual with the entertainingly educated Eric Eisenberg. I Eric. am educated in entertainment. <laughs> that is exactly what I'm educated in. How Math, are you? Not so much. Uh, I am exhausted if i'm being 100 yes. percent, ten thousand percent honest <laughs> i don't know if you like if you watched here the live show this week uh i'm a my my edges are a little bit duller than they normally are and i guess that'll happen when you're working 24 hours for five straight days and then not going yeah. to bed until 4 a.m for all the days after that because you just can't get your system right but that's right. just san diego comic-con and it's an mm -hmm. annual event and it's i've been doing this this is the ninth straight year so yeah. uh you think i'd be used to it by now but nope my body is still just rejecting yeah. the hell out of me currently well so. that's that's the thing though it's going to be a different mad cycle every year though so you can't yes. really get used to it exactly uh yeah exactly i mean yeah it doesn't anything that you're trying to prepare for does not compare to like you can you can do every yeah. you can think about every single moment that happened the previous year and say like if it goes exactly like this I will be a hundred percent ready but you're yeah. about you're There's truly no about forty percent ready that's, yeah. that's about the full extent of it so yeah. uh, but the good you know, thing is that you yeah. survived I survived one year exactly that is the ultimate takeaway the fact that we are now we are now more than a week technically removed from the start of it I'm still obviously recovering from the back end of it. But, uh, you know, it's in the past now. And now I get to, there's not, now I just restart that clock and uh, up until we get ready for 2019. Which, get by the way, will next be year. the 50th anniversary of San Diego Comic-Con. So oh, that wow. Be, I didn't realize yeah. it had been a, around that long. Yeah, it surprised me too. It also surprised me that, again, because that will be my 10th year, it means that I've been to 20% of them, which, you know, as I, I mentioned earlier that I don't do math, but I did that math. Eric with the math win, you guys. <laughs> Okay, so. well, everybody, we're going to get into some more details from Eric's Facebook Live, which he talked about earlier. Um, we're going to do a bit of a Warner Brothers Comic-Con wrap-up, and we're also going to talk about animated superhero movies. But uh, first, let's get into some news items. Now, one of the biggest things that dropped last week was the fact that James Gunn has been removed from Guardians of the Galaxy 3, because of some controversial tweets from 2008 and 2009 that surfaced. Um, he's no longer going to be writing or directing Volume 3. Many fans are actually hoping that Thor Ragnarok director, I'm going to butcher his name, Eric, you can correct me, Taika Waititi. <laughs> you nailed it. Nice. Yay, I got yeah. it. Many fans are hoping that he will replace him on that movie because the senses of humor seem very similar. Um Eric, what's your take on the situation? And more importantly, do you think Guardians 3 will be the movie we're all hoping for without James Gunn's vision? You know, it's uh, if, uh, to just hit that last part uh, first. It's okay. definitely it's hard to imagine. It's hard to imagine it being the same just because Guardians of the Galaxy. I don't think I think it's fair to say that no 
filmmaker in the Marvel Cinematic Universe was given as much freedom to leave their stamp on a group of characters than James Gunn was with the Guardians of the Galaxy. And through and through, it is just incredible. I mean, there's so, like, I mean, honestly, there's just so much about these characters that is just completely his original invention that he, like, he create, like... That's not even from the comics. There are, I mean, obviously, Star-Lord, Gamora, Drax, those are all characters from the comics. But if you were to, like, actually consider the Drax who is in the comics, which is, like, an actual dead human who is, like, resurrected with the spirit of an alien who, like, has a blood like who has nothing but like mentality to get revenge on Thanos like it's a, a completely different, different character and I mean it's and it's all James Gunn the idea that this is a guy who doesn't understand metaphors and I mean obviously a huge part of his Dave Bautista that is there's a bit even Dave Bautista who by the way in the past few days has been incredibly vocal way more yes. vocal than any other actor from Guardians of the Galaxy um about his support of James Gunn and so there's no taking away credit there but even like I mean uh, I, if, if you look at Ego, Ego isn't Star-Lord's dad in the comics. That's entirely James Gunn. Right. And so, to, to your larger point, it's uh, no, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 will not be the same kind of movie without his presence. Uh, Taika mm-hmm. Waititi, you, you mentioned, I, I get the suggestion in the idea of A, yep. he's a member of the Marvel family already. B, when mm-hmm. people saw Thor Ragnarok and like got even the sense of it for the first time, they were basically, they were essentially saying, oh, Thor Ragnarok, Thor just got Guardians of the Galaxy. So like, I get the, but at the same time, what I really just can't shake, and I'm curious if you agree with me, is that it's just the most thankless job in the world. The idea of rep- mm-hmm. coming in to replace James Gunn, who is not who's beloved by both his cast and by fans, and yeah. like again, like trying to just add his own flavor to that incredibly personal touch that James Gunn already put on it, and like, yeah. and of course, and there's also the fact that James Gunn like is notoriously a very director's director. Like he's incredibly friendly within the community, and mm-hmm. I, I can't. It's hard to imagine that like it's almost like a crossing the picket line type situation, just agreeing to direct this. And yeah, there are plenty. I mean, uh, there are plenty of examples in the past, and this is these are going to be really rough examples. But in just recent history. We have both Ron Howard and Joss Whedon examples for both Solo and Justice League. I I don't think anyone would agree that the finished results of what happened there ended up being anything like what the hopes and expectations were. And, uh, you know, it's like... And the thing I just keep harming back to is just like so much of this is almost Disney not learning the lesson from the Guardians of the Galaxy, which is just the ability to recount for your past, understand what you did, and then try and make yourself better, which... Yeah. Yeah, that's I mean that's what James Gunn has done. I mean, he like this is a guy who I mean, I'm totally rambling now. This is just again my Comic-Con brain. But like I mean, this is a guy who came up from Troma Films, which is like notoriously outrageous material uh, that is meant to get exactly that's meant to yeah. get a rise out of people, and right. that was very much his sensibilities. And if you look at his earliest movies, I mean, Tromeo Juliet came directly out of Troma, but you also have Slither and you also have Super, which are outrageously like fucked up movies. I'm just gonna say yeah. that, like, because that's what they are. There's no other word for it. Like, I mean, it's. I mean, they're like, so I think, and Disney knew who they were hiring when they hired him. They, James Gunn has very has been upfront in interviews about who he used to be on Twitter, like addressing these kinds of comments. And And honestly, a major company like Disney or Marvel or whatever, hires somebody, the idea that they wouldn't have seen those tweets already. 
I don't believe that at all. Absolutely. No, it's impossible. So, I mean, it's just like, I, I have to admit, I mean, obviously a huge part of it is just the culture. The culture that yeah. we are currently existing in is not the same that it was four years ago. The world has changed a lot. And yeah. um, in some ways for the better, in some ways not so much. Exactly. And, um, and, they, and I don't think it's, uh, I, it's, I can't, you have to say it. It's true. I mean, it, this is politically motivated. I mean, the, the reason they attacked James Gunn is because of his very, very public criticisms of Donald Trump. And like, I mean, it's just, part, and obviously there is the whole, a lot of people have been comparing it with Roseanne, but yeah. there are, I, I mean, okay. yeah, let, <laughs> this let, is a big conversation. Yes. Let me ask you this. Um, James Gunn said, I think on Facebook or something a couple of months ago, he, he had recently turned in another draft of the script. Yeah. So what are they going to do now? Are they just going to scrap that and start over? That, I mean, that which, is, which the, would certainly, there's no way that wouldn't delay the start date. I mean, I think movie. It's, I mean, that is ultimately the big question, which is right now, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 doesn't have a release date. James Gunn said that it was going to come out in 2020. Most people assume that means that it's going to have the May release date, just like Volume 2 did. Uh, production is scheduled to start up at, I believe, the start of 2019. And all things seem to be on track. I and mean, as you mentioned, he posted the uh, completed draft of the script and... Uh, but I don't know if they're going to use it. I mean, I don't know if it's at a point where, uh, it's kind of a tainted situation. I don't know if it's a situation where James Gunn might even say, no, you like, you, I, I don't want you using this. And I don't even know if Disney would have to listen to him even in that situation. So yeah. like there, there, I mean, there are so many big, big questions surrounding this. There, I mean, we, I mentioned Dave Bautista and his incredibly like vocal opposition to what's been going on. I, 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 it's hard to know what's going on behind the scenes with this situation. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the next few weeks are going to be filled with those kind of questions yeah. that just don't have answers. And is it possible that the stars, could, the stars of the movie could start dropping out? Exactly. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, and let's, I mean, as far as we know, that hasn't happened yet, but if that happened, I, do you really want to try to like reboot the whole thing? And I, yeah, it would just, it would be a mess. It would be a mess, <laughs> and like and like and I mean, it gets down to the point of like, can I mean, it gets back to your original question, which is, can Guardians of the Galaxy really exist without James Gunn? And that's a legitimate question. That is a legitimate question currently in this atmosphere because they would not, it would the series would not be what it is without those contributions, yeah. and uh, like how that will affect them going forward is massive. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm sure we'll be hearing more about this. As oh, this will definitely not be the last conversation we have about yeah. this in here. But <laughs> yeah. Um, in other news, uh, according to Angela Bassett, now this is just her, uh, as far as we know, this is just her personal opinion. She believes that her character um, for Black Panther, Raimonda, and her daughter, Shuri, survived the Thanos snap. Now, we still don't know about Nakia or other side characters. Sure. What do you think these two will be up to when Avengers Four starts? Um, you know, if we see both of them. I well, I think the huge part of it, and especially like this, is also kind of feeding into um, this is the idea of like we, there's been talk about a time jump and the idea that when we when Avengers Four actually starts, it's going to be a world that has like somewhat adjusted to what half of existence looks like so yeah. that in mind uh i think the standout thing that comes to mind is the fact that 
we saw T'Challa turn to dust. By the way, spoilers for Avengers Infinity War. This movie's yeah. not on Blu-ray yet. Too <laughs> if late. If you haven't oh, seen well. it yet, you're not yeah. going to. Seriously, if you're listening to this podcast, I'm betting that you you, yeah, you watched the $2 billion movie. Um but so like but if you watch this film we saw T'Challa turn to dust. Uh we saw mm-hmm. the king of Wakanda, the leader of this African nation, uh die and you know, I imagine Wakanda's not just going to like dust their hands. Oh my god, that's a terrible expression for right now. Um <laughs> Uh, they're not going to say like, oh, well, wrap it up. No more Black Panther. No, somebody's going to step in and replace them. And yeah. uh, and who's next in line for the throne? Shuri. Shuri. Uh, and obviously Shuri is... And she's is... also really fucking smart. She created the suit and uh, like all of his tech and all that kind of stuff. Absolutely. And if, um, if Tony Stark can be, <laughs> you know, a billionaire genius developer of technology and also go all around the world, Iron Manning, then Shuri can be Black Panther and also create more tech. Absolutely. Wakanda. 100%. She's, and, and they have specifically said that she is the smartest person in the Marvel Universe. She is smarter than Tony Stark. So uh, that being said, though, uh, just to kind of throw uh, Ramonda into the mix here, she is still a child. Like, she doesn't have life experience. But fortunately, yeah. she has her mother who can be by her side and help mm-hmm. her just, like, as counsel for really major decisions. So... Uh, that would be my bet. Uh, I, I, my my guess is like this. Like you mentioned, that this is kind of like Angela Bassett's uh, personal opinion. My assumption is that it's probably because she knows she's in Avengers four, and she just kind of she just can't put say it. it. To, exactly yeah. right. So uh, I, I I'm betting that she. I'm betting she's alive. I'm betting Nakia's alive in the same way that I'm betting like Valkyrie's alive. Just because like not having them in Avengers three. You gotta have them in Avengers Four. Come on, what are you doing? Like, yeah, I mean, these, these, so like, so so many heroes have have died. We kind of exactly. need them. I, I I can't deal with the fact that like not only did all of these people die, but you also killed Lupita Nyong'o and Tessa Thompson. That that's not yeah. gonna stand. That that's not okay. That's like that's really mean. And to like do yeah. it off camera. So like I have to imagine that they're still alive and playing. I, I hope a very important uh, role in kind of the infrastructure. Yeah. And also, I mean, I, I it's interesting time. I mean, I don't. I feel like not many people have been talking about this, but like the idea that Wakanda has been reaching out to the world just as this whole Thanos awfulness is happening. So right. it offered like half of existence disappearing legitimately offers an opportunity for completely uh, for a world completely rebuilt. So I wonder if like how Wakanda's resources might take over the entire world. You might actually see a rebuilding process that is like kind of defined and built on a the foundation. The rest of the world of... might need Wakanda exactly. because of what happened. Which essentially yeah. make would make if they're they are the leaders of Wakanda, it would put Shuri and Ramonda basically as presidents of the world. And after what we saw from them in Black Panther, I'm cool with it. That's cool. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well yeah. uh, moving on to um the non DCEU. Yeah. Uh, Joker movie, which isn't officially called the Joker now. Do we know that? Nope, we got nothing. Uh, okay. Like uh, that, I, I during our Comic Con prediction show, I predicted that maybe we would get something. We got nothing. Which I mean, okay. we, we, we'll talk about that later in the show. But yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> uh, we already know Joaquin Phoenix is playing the Joker. Um, the cast is now looking to include Zazie Beetz, who played Domino in um, Deadpool Two. Robert De Niro and Francis Conroy is supposedly play, be playing his mother. Um, is it time to actually start taking this movie seriously? And isn't it still just a deeply bad idea? <laughs> I mean, I feel like at this point, the entire, I, the bad idea side of things exists 
almost exclusively in the development strategy that Warner Brothers has going on. If like if they are if they are like going full bore with the Jared Leto Joker movie, the standalone solo yeah. Joker movie that Jared Leto's going to star in, apparently, if they're doing which would that, be an official like, DCEU movie as opposed right. to this movie, which is not. That would be a crazy mistake. They should definitely not do that. That would be really, really dumb. Yeah. Uh, if they're going to do that movie, like. And again, maybe, I mean, if you want to have Jared Leto have his opportunity to, like, redeem who the Joker is and his version of the character. Well, okay. Maybe. Here's, here's, but... <laughs> here's my, my thing with this. Okay. Sure. Here's the big problem. Let's say this movie with Joaquin Phoenix comes out and it's fucking amazing. Yeah. Okay. It makes a ton of money. <laughs> um, it's almost universally praised by critics and fans alike. Uh, let's say it even wins some awards. Superhero movies you know, don't generally win acting awards, but let's say he, well, he gets Ledger, nominated Heath for Ledger Best Actor. Heath Ledger Best Supporting Actor, yeah. Right, but that's like one of the few times that is ever Oh, happened. yeah, absolutely. Let's right. say he, you know, that acting awards are given out for it and other awards for writing or whatever. Then what's the official DCEU going to do? <laughs> Go back well, to Jared Leto's weird-ass gangster Joker nobody really likes when everybody really now wants to see Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker? That's going to be totally fucked up. Oh, in that situation, they are fucked. That that means they completely <laughs> exactly. stepped on their own toes. And like, yeah. honestly, that is like the, probably the most disastrous situation that they could possibly face. Which right. like, isn't, which obviously is kind of incredible, considering that like what would otherwise in any other situation be seen as a massive like groundbreaking success to be able to like get all these they accolades totally for a supervillain movie. Whole cinematic universe, yeah, or they, you know, a portion of it. Because right. what are you going to do? Are you then going to try to merge them and pretend like the Jared Leto <laughs> Joker becomes the Joaquin Phoenix Joker or vice versa? I just hope that we do don't you, notice, right? <laughs> yeah. Do you then? Do you just pretend that Jared Leto's Joker never existed? And try? I mean, it would be just a complete fucked up mess. <laughs> I mean, yeah, exactly. And it's a mess already. I mean, the fact that we are, like yeah. the, the people are going to go into this Joker movie thinking like who like who don't listen to Hero Blend every single week, who don't visit Cinnabon daily, who like only follow thinking the stuff that it's on the connected fringe. Yeah, to they're, 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 Man they're, of Steel and Justice League and exactly. all that stuff and it's they're, not. They're going to go in and say like, "Oh, I guess Jared Leto lost his job and now Joaquin Phoenix is going to be the Joker." And yes. that's apparently not the case. So like they got to straighten this up. That being said, like I like I I mean, is it time to take start taking this seriously to get to that question? I would kind of say yes at this point like i i'm I'm a very vocal supporter of todd phillips i i don't i think he uh doesn't get enough shrift i think for example uh hangover 2 is a bad movie but it is a beautiful one that and uh, the entire hangover trilogy is a beautiful movie uh his work with uh cinematographer lawrence sure is honestly phenomenal uh there are certain storytelling elements to it that i think are wrong uh I think that his last movie, War Dogs, with uh, Miles Teller and Jonah Hill, is underrated severely. Uh, if you haven't checked that out, I would recommend it. It is kind of his personal rift on Goodfellas, and it's an interesting film. And, just I mean, you just got to look at the talent that he's lining up for this. I mean, I imagine Warner Brothers is, like, putting a ton of money into the casting, yeah. if not just for the case of legitimacy. But, like, Joaquin Phoenix, Zazie Beetz, Robert De Niro, Francis Conroy, that's a great lineup of actors. Yeah. And, and this, they're, we're they're not They're clearly committed to trying to make this a good movie, but it's just going to be probably, possibly a bad idea overall for... Development for strategy. No, yeah. exactly. I mean that 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 is their greatest threat. Is that like I mean that they are potentially like hampering what they can do with the larger uh, with yeah. the larger. And I mean, 
I guess a, a project that could even things out. And it, I mean, as I, I, this, and this is something we can get into, like, as far as like not announcing projects, but like the, uh, at Comic-Con, but the Matt Reeves, Batman, the fact that that has been kind of living on the edge where it's like, you constantly hear like, is this going to have Ben Affleck in it? Is it going to have a different Batman? If you were to like solidify the whole Elseworlds idea to borrow a, a word from the DC comics and the idea that like this Joker takes place in a different universe, this Batman, Matt Reeves, Batman takes in a different place in a different universe and you have the DCEU, you actually like put some meat on the bones for either one of them as opposed to kind of just making it sound like movies. Um, like, yeah, you have to do that at some point. And like, cause right now this movie just kind of seems like an anomaly that I don't, I don't know what it is. Yeah. All right. Let's uh again. We'll this is something we'll be hearing more about. Um, let's go yes. ahead and get into your Facebook Live. Now you talked about like the three major things that uh, Warner Brothers and DC showed at Comic Con, um, and you started off with Wonder Woman 1984. Apparently, they showed some footage in a mall where Indeed. Wonder Woman has to take care of two armed gunmen. Uh, why don't you tell people a little bit about that? Uh, it's a very cool scene. It was extremely brief because they mm-hmm. have only been filming for a grand total of three weeks. Uh, it's Wonder Woman in a mall. Uh, she leaps into action when these two guys start uh, like w- waving guns around. She leaps from the first floor up to the second floor in this kind of like food court area. This adorable little girl kind of looks up at her and gives us like, oh my gosh, which is like... Oz across Hall H. Like, it was adorable. Yeah. Uh, and so, like, but before Wonder Woman takes care of the criminals, uh, she actually, like, slides the little girl across the floor and she, like, lands into the lap of this giant teddy bear that happens to be sitting across the hall. Uh, Wonder Woman, like, swings into action, quickly makes, like, quick do of them because they're stupid criminals and it's yeah. Wonder Woman. Uh, she like, winds up lassoing them up and then, like, jumping, jumping back over the railing down to the first floor. And it's super quick. But it is like bright and colorful and cool, mm-hmm. and it's just like it is it, it, a very different aesthetic look. And actually, like which I mean, is something no other DCEU film has been. None of them have been colorful. Not at all. I mean, you have like the occasional neon light in Suicide Squad, but also it's <laughs> surrounded by a well of darkness that like, darkness that you yes. can't see anything. And like I mean, and like Zack Snyder put his whole filter on like Batman v Superman, Justice League, and Man of Steel. So like yep. those aren't bright movies. And as I was mentioning during the live show, Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four, as far as like attitude, is certainly much more like optimistic and bright and happy however okay. it's also set in like 1913 during the cold war during the world war one and so one yeah and so like it wasn't a bright happy time and you didn't have like technology and fluorescent lighting which is something that you do have in the 1980s so this is like really kind of uncovered that aesthetic though actually technically not the first time because uh and this kind of makes an interesting segue Shazam looks pretty damn colorful uh-huh. as well. Uh, and that looks uh, like, yeah. Yeah. I have to say the two uh, DC trailers that were shown at Comic-Con, I was stunned by the fact that I could actually <laughs> see what was happening in both yes. of them. They were bright enough that I could actually see Absolutely. what was going on. It's a wonderful thing. Yeah, just actually like comprehensive scenes that they can actually understand. Yeah, that's nice. Yeah. <laughs> Seems like it, it shouldn't be a luxury at this point, now, but you know, that's where we are. That is true. Now you said on the Facebook Live that you liked the Shazam trailer more between that and Aquaman. Why do you favor uh, the you know, Shazam I mean, trailer like, right now? The Aquaman trailer, I will say, like I didn't hate it. Like, uh, like I, I, I mm-hmm. get some flack, but like, I, I am much more interested in the progression of Aquaman and like 
Aquaman becoming who he's destined to be, and a lot of that trailer is, like, heavy on the he's not quite there yet part of the things, and, like, there's a lot of, like, right. big introductory things like Atlantis, and, like, it, like, I mean, it's a lot to take in, and it just, I mean, it left me feeling like, okay, you know what, I'll, I'll see this movie, but this trailer is fine. Shazam, on the other hand... Is like, yeah, not yeah. only I mean, you do kind of once again introduce that kind of origin story stuff, specifically with like Billy Batson going through the subway, meeting the wizard, and getting these powers, but the fact that it's a trailer that doesn't really feature any like actual action, it's not like about him. Like, uh, yeah. I mean, you have that one shot of, as I was mentioning during the live show, you have that one shot of him uh, with Mark Strong's Dr. Savannah. Uh, where like he literally just says, "Oh, you're the bad guy," and just almost—it's almost a meta joke just for audiences because the real centerpiece of all of this is kind of the big factor—the idea that you are taking this little kid and giving him the dream that every kid has, which is to be in like to be able to be a superhero and to be able to fly and to have super strength and to be yeah. able to save people and like and to just right, finally exactly. be, an be an adult, absolutely. <laughs> and so like I I, I appreciated that that while she's like i mean to this point in the dcu like i remember for example and this goes back to man of steel like one thing that people kept harping on Mm -hmm. in as like in the in the run-up to man of steel was comparisons to superman returns which is notably a movie where superman doesn't throw a punch and Zack snyder was very insistent in the making and the like promotion of man of steel saying like oh no this is a superman who punches this is a superman who punches and that was all over the marketing like you got to see his like airborne battle over metropolis with flying through the sky uh and but and obviously like all the other movies have quite a lot of fighting but this one just like it, you're dealing with you're dealing with kids you're dealing with a much more comedic tone than anything else that uh the dcu has explored yeah. uh to this point and you can sell it without the action you can actually have a funny movie that uh like that actually looks entertaining that doesn't need to necessarily throw a punch which you really couldn't do with any other movie, I don't think. I think, like, every other film that has existed within the DCEU to this point, I think you kind of need to sell the ass-kicking side of things at least a little. And But, like, this one, Shazam is unlike any character that we've seen from DC or Marvel. Like, it just just is different. And, uh, like, the fact that they are ready and willing to, like, really showcase that makes me really excited for it. Yeah. And actually, as worried as I was about this, the, you know, the potential tone for this movie in general and the fact that they kept saying they were filming it. And I was like, "Eh, I don't know if this is still really a real thing. Haven't seen the trailer. I am actually excited for this movie now. It seems like they may have actually nailed it and gotten it right and, you know, actually be doing the right things with it. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this. Do you like the suit? I love the suit. I love the suit. Yeah. I, like, I, I see a lot of people kind of complaining about, like, it being a little bit padded, and I don't know whether it is. That, you know yeah. what? I, I have an explanation for that in my mind. Um, the fact that the, the suit is a little bit cartoony and clearly overly padded, to me, when he's given the power, the suit is a manifestation of what a child would think a superhero suit would look like. So, of course, it's going to look a little bit cartoony. I don't know if that's how they're planning to explain it in the movie or if they're going to explain it at all, but that that's my thinking. That 
That's how I justify it. I think you're 100% right. I think, like, it, it, it is just, like, it's wish fulfillment. That's exactly what this entire movie is. Yeah. This is a kid who, like, who is a foster kid. He doesn't really know his parents. He gets bullied at school. And he has the opportunity to become the superhero. So this superhero should be, like, the goofiest kind of, like, hands-on hips, yeah. staring into the sun kind of, like, hero right. that everyone imagines. And that includes, like, ridiculous muscles that, like, on areas right. of the body that don't really exist like that. And so, like, I kind of, I, I do appreciate I, I like you said, I, I appreciate the uh, kind of puffiness to it. And also, I will also say that it's like, and this is kind of weird, but like it's non-threatening muscles. Like if you look at Superman and like his musculature, <laughs> it suggests, oh, wow, that guy's going to beat the shit out of you. With Shazam, it's just like, oh, no, that guy's like really puffy and like really strong, but he's kind of goofy with it also. Yeah. Which So it's just like it's kind of a yeah, non-threatening right. version of it. And like obviously that fits very Which much. Which fits in. with the whole, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'm a fan. So yeah, I think I think they've done like an actually a really good job with that. Me for Aquaman, I yeah. was not as you said for yourself. I was not as impressed with that trailer. Uh, I'm not that crazy about the way the underwater stuff looks. I'm still not a hundred percent sold, even though I like Jason Momoa on his version of Aquaman. Maybe that's got to do with what you were talking about, where um, for a large portion of this movie, apparently he's not going to be fully on board. With you know, a hundred percent being Aquaman yet, maybe that's what it is. Right. Um, but I, I'm still, I'm still gonna need to be sold on that more than than you know what this trailer with what this trailer gave. And it may me. just so, be, a, we'll and it may just be a trailer problem in that, like it's, it's. I mean, trailers are hard. Like it's hard to sell a two hour plus movie in a span of two and a half minutes. Like that's not the yeah. easiest thing in the world. And uh, I mean, like you were saying about the effects, like uh. They have cool ideas, certainly, but they also have also like six more months where they can where they're finalizing stuff and getting everything perfectly mm-hmm. ready. And so, like, I, 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 like I said, I didn't love the Aquaman trailer. It wasn't my favorite. I think that it's it's a good starting point place, I guess. Like, there are certain elements that I am very much excited for. Uh, but another thing, as yeah. I was saying during the live show, is that. Um, they showed us an additional reel while uh, we were sitting in Hall H that didn't get released online. And some of the mm-hmm. stuff they showed there, like I thought was way better than better. the stuff that they actually showed in uh, the trailer. And one of that thing, and I, I started to touch on this uh, as we were starting to run out of time in the live show, but it's just this uh, action sequence where it's uh, Aquaman and Mera versus Black Manta and a couple of his like cronies. Just they're kind of like mm-hmm. in this, I think it's an ancient like Italian city. Uh, and they're just like, Run it just like I mean it's a full on battle between these two and like there's this one amazing amazing like long shot of Mara just leaping across rooftops this other guy like just plowing through the houses at like as she's kind of walking across the top of them and then as she yeah. gets to the end like she gets pulled down into this room and the fight continues but the camera then like pulls all the way back and you see Aquaman next to this bell tower that suddenly gets blown into smithereens because Black Manta is using his laser eyes and like has just destroyed mm-hmm. it and like and also just Black Manta looks so goddamn cool and i mean you see him yeah, in that I'm trailer i'm more excited about seeing black manta than i am about seeing Aquaman. i mean like and, and <laughs> <laughs> well we've seen and, and i will i will actually and just kind of on top of that another thing i will say is that uh, a big thing that the footage uh the comic-con reel ended with was uh jason momoa in the orange and the classic orange and green scale costume and it looks fantastic okay. it looks super super cool okay and uh like it there is a certain 
regality and like again that kind of like that earnestness and like acceptance of responsibility as a hero that you actually just he just projects as you see him in that costume that i'm really hoping mm-hmm. spells really good things and we'll obviously have to wait and see that may be like a costume like literally what that shot may be is the last shot of the film which i mean maybe i don't know yeah uh so but then they're just showing it to us because they're like oh no he actually does get it in this suit uh but you know, I'm very excited for it. But like again, honestly, Black Manta is what I'm all about because that 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 costume, it, it, it looks ridiculous. Like you, you think on the page, like the idea yeah. that like you could get this in the reality is crazy. Like it looks so goofy. It's big and oblong. You have these giant eyes, but it looks yeah. so cool. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, speaking of my, all of that was shown at Comic Con. Yeah. So speaking of what DC showed at Comic Con, Eric. They surprised the hell out of me. <laughs> they did not announce a single new project. Not a one. I was actually reading through an article that uh, Adam Holmes wrote for us, uh. one of our lovely editors, where he actually went through and counted how many DCEU projects have been announced. It's almost 20. Oh, I, I actually have the full list in front of me. It's Suicide Squad, The Batman, Justice League Dark, Batgirl, Green Lantern Corps, The Flash, Flashpoint, which may not even be Flashpoint anymore, uh, Justice League mm-hmm. 2, Cyborg, Nightwing, Man of Steel 2, Gotham City Sirens, Deadshot, Black Adam, and like that also potential Sandman feature, which probably isn't going anywhere. But like that's like that's a lot that and also yeah. I didn't even mention the Joker movie. They, the, jo- the Todd Phillips Joker movie too. So like Right, yeah. right. And so just the idea that they may have learned their lesson. <laughs> going into Comic-Con and they decided to just, okay, these movies have either completed filming or are currently filming. So that's what we're going to talk about. That's what we're going to show. And we'll keep, you know, the machinations that are going on with the rest of the movies that we have at some point of development. We'll keep that to ourselves. Yeah. Like, you know, like we should have done <laughs> basically all along. <laughs> I mean, and, and like, I mean, the thing is, it's weird because like, and I'm sure we've discussed this in the past, but like, we, I, I, I tend to give the X-Men franchise a lot of flack because of the fact that they don't really announce future projects, and when they do, it's Gambit. And so, like... <laughs> and so, like... So when they do that, like, I'm just like, X-Men, get your shit together. You should know what you're doing and, like, have an idea of what your future is. Right. And But, like, then they don't. And I'm like, well, why don't you? You really should. This yeah. is kind of the opposite side of the, the, the entire is. situation yeah. because, like, I look at Warner Brothers and I say, like... I'm glad you guys are thinking of ideas for movies. However, if you don't have anything, don't tell us if everything. you have like maybe pitched an idea out to a writer, maybe don't tell us about it. Maybe just like keep that yeah. to yourselves. And then when it starts to become a real thing, that's when you can start mm-hmm. saying something. And I think that's exactly the strategy that they took this time. And especially because we, again, that list, that list exists and like, it's a long yeah. list. Like that is a long mm-hmm. Uh, like a list of projects that we have no idea if they're in any stage of development right now. We don't know what is yeah. going to be the next movie after Wonder Woman 1984, Mm-mm. which is going to be out in November of next year. So I guess yeah. run- so runway wise, we are looking at uh 16 months. That that is how long we know for the future of the DC yeah. universe. And obviously they they have projects that they could put in those places. Uh, and uh, well actually yeah, because uh the Joker movies next October. Wow, that's crazy that the Joker movie is actually going to be coming out before Wonder Woman. I'm sidetracking myself. Um, 
Oh. Right? Yeah, that is crazy. Isn't that a bit weird? It's like actually a month before, and it's not starting production until later this fall. Mm, but Okay. Uh, but I mean, it's, kind of, right. it's a much smaller production, so I get that they can finish it much quicker. It's going to be less effects heavy, but it is still yeah. weird that that timeline exists. Uh, but the larger point is, is like they don't have a any movies planned for 2020, and presumably they're going to want to have something filming next year. They originally fell into kind of a yeah. whole... Actually, last year when they were preparing for 2019 or 2018, rather, uh, because they had Aquaman obviously coming out the end of the year, they had initially planned to have, I believe, Flash was going to be in either April or May. Oh, right. But then they lost three That's directors. That's been pushed back like four times or something. And to the point where we now have no idea. And like right now, uh, Jonathan yeah. Goldstein and John Francis Daly are currently working on it. We'll see how long that lasts. But I think, again, Warner Brothers made the smart decision not bringing them out on stage. You sound hopeful. Well, I mean, it's just like, well, I mean, I like, they they need a plan. They don't have a plan. So, yeah. like, we'll, we'll see how, like, John Francis Daly and Jonathan Goldstein are able to, like, mold, like, whatever idea that they're bringing to the table, we'll see how it winds up molding with whatever concept they have for the Flash going after, uh, spe- like, especially Flash and, or especially, especially after Shazam and Wonder Woman 1984. Again, because those yeah. movies are looking to add a much brighter tone to this universe. And frankly, that's a tone that the Flash should exist in. I mean, this is like, I mean, we've seen yeah. Ezra Miller's version of this character. He is goofy. He is funny. He is uh, quick. Uh, to use the, yeah, just ignore that pun. Uh, <laughs> and so. We got, we got uh, it. <laughs> so like, but so like the idea of doing Flashpoint. Flashpoint is like. That is a definitely not the movie they should be making, and but word on the street is that yeah. they're not because that is essentially like that's your apocalypse button. That's your like if all shit. If, I was gonna say if, that's that's a heavy <laughs> thing that like completely resets exactly like you you the the DC universe or whatever. You, you don't do that. You don't you don't put in Flashpoint until you're ready to hit the reset button, and that's yeah. that's not now. Like I mean, I get like that with this Joker movie. If it goes that whole path we were talking about earlier. Or, Maybe you should reconsider that. Maybe that was the way to go and suddenly get Joaquin Phoenix. And, like, the only change from Flashpoint is Joaquin Phoenix becomes the Joker instead of uh, Jared Leto. That's the one change. Um, yeah. But, um, <laughs> again, but don't see that happening. So they should just, just make a Flash movie, uh, make it funny, make it light, and do it. But also, like, don't start telling me about it until you actually have a firm <laughs> shooting schedule and maybe a good right, a script. Right. You know, a script. Get a script done. Yeah. <laughs> Get a script done, then we'll talk. I feel like that's not said exactly. anywhere. Like that, like it's like the, I feel like that's the first time in ho- anyone said that in Hollywood in like six years. But <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, let me ask you this: yeah. Do you think I think I m- mentioned this portion of it earlier? Have they finally learned that they need to slow down and build fan confidence in these uh, in in projects before talking about new stuff? Or so is this a permanent lesson, or do you think that? Like if Aquaman comes out and everybody loves it, if Shazam comes out and everybody loves it, do you think, you know, next year at Comic-Con that they'll go back to announcing new stuff just because they're on kind of a roll? Uh, you know, I hope not. Like, cause just, I mean, that just implies they didn't learn a lesson. That means that they exactly. like, they got high on their own supply and then they just, and they yeah. did nothing with it. Um, <laughs> which, yeah, that's no, nobody wants that. That's, that's terrible. No. Uh, so like, I mean, so you never get high on your own supply. <laughs> exactly. That's number one rule. We all saw Scarface. <laughs> anyway, uh, so but that, that being said, I mean, and I kind of alluded to this, that I was going to say this earlier, but, like, I am, there is a part of me that is kind of bummed that, like, while, yes, they aren't ready to make announcements about what's going on with Flash, Nightwing, yada, yada, Matt Reeves, Batman, they do apparently know what they are doing with Joker, so, like, maybe do make, that could be your announcement, like, that movie is actually happening, so, like, 
secure it. Like, tell me, like, I mean, yeah. you don't have to bring Joaquin Phoenix on stage because that guy just probably just never going to do Hall H. But you can, like, Todd Phillips uh, can own a crowd and you can have him come out there, say the title of the movie, say that you're going into production this fall. That's all you need. And like I was saying, and, and just like the idea of what I was saying earlier, just to tie back with like the idea of having Matt Reeves's movie to kind of cushion the Elseworlds idea, just like have uh, Joker not look just like an anomaly that's sitting all by itself and doing this own weird mm-hmm. thing. If you had actually like established firmly, like you had actually told us what this is, what this is and versus what this is. And actually there, there was even a weird kind of confusing thing that came out of the Hall H panel, which is okay. um, like, so one big thing that Warner Brothers has done, I guess pretty much as long as I've been covering Comic-Con is in addition to having like this big monitor up front that is like, it's like, I guess maybe 50 feet tall that is at the front of Hall H. It's over like the panel. It's where all the people are. But then uh, Warner Brothers always like slides the sides. So like the angles of the side room, the, the angles of the walls on the side of the room, just all the curtains open up and reveal like more and more like screens. So you wind up having like these three oh, giant okay. big screens that go all the way back to, to the back of Hall H. They're, it's cool. It's a cool thing. Uh, one thing that just confused the hell out of everybody, though, is that uh, when they started talking about their DC movies, the label that they put up said the worlds of DC. And a lot of people took that as a meaning of saying like, oh, I guess the DC Extended Universe is no longer called the DC Extended Universe because technically it was never officially called the DC Extended Universe. So now they're giving it an official name. Uh, that was mm. never explicitly said. I don't know why people yeah. got that read. I'm still going to continue to call it the DC Extended Universe. However, yeah. with the concept of the worlds of DC, that's when you also introduce the Elseworlds concept. And you say like the DCEU right. is one world. That fits perfectly with exactly. it. Exactly. And... I saw that when I saw that banner, I was like, oh, maybe that's what their strategy is. Maybe they're thinking of that. No, that that just it was just a it was just a couple of words that they decided to throw up on screen that they apparently felt look good together and uh, just confuse the hell out of people. So, I mean, I don't know how that's going to work. And uh, again, like I was a little surprised to hear that they just that they didn't do anything for the Joker. And I kind of just wish that they did clarify things a bit because that was their stage. Mm Maybe we'll get something at New York Comic Con later this fall. Hard to say, but uh, yeah, things are definitely at a weird place. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, let's move on and talk, like, kind of in more general terms about animated superhero movies sure. and whether or not they are a good idea. Teen Titans Go to the Movies is coming out this weekend. Spider Man Into the Spider Verse is coming out this December. Um, I guess the big question is is there enough room? for live action and animated stories right now with so many, especially with so many live action things being done. I mean, honestly, I think it is actually the question of the moment. And obviously part of that is the fact that team Titans go to the movies is coming out this weekend. I will say just to put it on the record that like the reason why we didn't dedicate a segment of this show to it is because for some reason I never got a press screening. I never got invited to go see Teen Titans go to the movies, which like totally bums me out. And I assume that part of it just has to do with the fact that Comic-Con was happening and it did screen a Comic-Con, but I was also so insanely busy. There was no way I could get to any of those screenings. So 
I am bummed. Uh, I'd love, I wish I could talk to you guys all about Teen Titans Go. I wish, uh, Adrian, and I wish you had seen it too and that we could yeah. both talk about it. Because another thing is that it's apparently great. Like, I've, ta- I've talked to some people who thought it was just really funny. It's really fantastic. I love the trailer mm-hmm. for it. I think it looks really good. Yeah, me too. Uh, so I am actually really bummed that I didn't uh, get to see it. But uh, it's, as you were mentioned, like, it is kind of an interesting time to talk about it right now because that's out right now. And also, just last week, uh, during Comic-Con, we heard more details about Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which I am crazy, crazy excited for. But, again, uh, is there room for it right now? I don't know. (laughs) I think that's ultimately where I'm tearing down. See, my my knee-jerk reaction is, yes, there's always room for animated, for the animated superhero stuff. Because you can literally adapt anything. Animation in general makes it easier to adapt, you know, more difficult stuff that would be super expensive Mm -hmm. and time consuming if you were trying to do it in live action. And also you can branch off and have these side stories and adventures um, that don't have to be connected to any kind of larger cinematic universe. Honestly, I think that is honestly it's probably greatest uh, strategy to it is just the independentness of it. The fact that you can really make it uh, exist by itself. Uh, which I mean, appear that's very much what Teen Titans go. I mean, it's based on a television show, but and it's making ton of meta jokes about yeah. all the other movies. But I do like that. My problem, it like is like you were saying that uh, you can do like special things in animation. The problem is like honestly, that bridge is that gap is like growing smaller and smaller and smaller with a- with all the advancements that we get. And of course, like, but I do think that you're entirely right in the idea that. If you are going to be making an animated movie, you have to push the limit to, like, the furthest possible limits that you can possibly go. And apparently part of that strategy is hiring Nicolas Cage because nobody wants him for a live-action comic (laughs) book movie. Uh, Honestly, it's weird that he's in both Teen Titans Go! and Spider-Verse. But um, Well, he was was Ghost Rider. Don't forget that. Yeah, I know. I remember. Oh, I remember. Uh, (laughs) I also want to forget deeply. Uh, yeah. But so, okay. so like, I mean, but like, I think that is a larger point. And like, so with Spider-Verse, uh, like there is, so for, just take that, that as an example. There is a part of me that does wish uh, that you could have uh, like every single Spider-Man show up in a live action movie. And part of that could include like Tom Holland, Spider-Man could be the main character, but you could also have Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire and like, but it is a lot more practical to do that in animation because voice actors are yeah. a lot, it's easier to work with and like, you don't have to have them in, you have to schedule in like for the, every single scene. So, um, I do agree with you in the sense that like, but that is the key. The idea that you have to like really hone into stories that you really couldn't tell with other characters. And yeah. I, I, I guess with Teen Titans Go, I'm not entirely sure if that pulls it the same way. I mean, again, that like that is a case where you're dealing with animated, uh, with animated like source material. But I mean, yeah. this this fall, we're also seeing a Teen Titans tel- a live action Teen Titans television show that appears to have a very different uh, tone than what this one's yes. going for, where they say things like "fuck Batman." And uh, yeah, I, 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 and it's actually supposed to have a little bit of a horror bent because one of the characters' uh, powers is kind of supernatural. Well, so. it, it does kind of seem, and especially because like they're going to be introducing Swamp Thing, and they, it does kind of seem like they're going to be kind of uh, getting into that little bit with that. Uh, like from what, I mean, from everything we could tell, it definitely sounds like DC Universe as a streaming service. Their original content is going to be veering more towards the dark stuff. But actually, that yeah. is a perfect transition into. Uh, the uh, which is another point that I want to make, and actually is very much I think an argument that is for this, uh, which is 
the kids. Like, uh, obviously, like, as a 30-year-old person, I very much enjoy comic book movies. And there yeah. is a considerable degree to which they are weirdly marketed towards me. And uh, just because, like, mm-hmm. I'm not alone in being appreciative of this. I, I, I do actually like the idea that the animated movies can be a little bit more kid-centric so that there are still these, like, really cool superhero stories, but they're also not necessarily, like, throwing out bad words and talking about adult themes and that they can right. have their own. Right. Yeah. yeah, so they can be a little bit sillier and have, like, some fart jokes. Exactly. Which, I mean, <laughs> is, which apparently does seem to be Teen Titans Go's, uh, like, yeah. whole thing. And, I mean, I guess, like, you also have a Big Hero 6 as another example. Uh, though, mm-hmm. like, that one, though, I thought was a bit more generic. I don't love Big Hero 6. I don't know how you personally felt about that one. But... Uh, it was fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, it's yeah, just it like, fine. It's just, like, it, it, there was nothing about that movie that necessarily, like, blew me away. And part of that was actually just because, uh, to, like, further my point here, is because it doesn't really do anything that you couldn't have done in live action. And so, when you have, and, like, mm-hmm. and I think the animation style of uh, Teen Titans Go! and uh, Spider-Verse are actually very important to point out because... Teen Titans Go, that is a very specific animation style. Those characters, like, they have their... It's it's 2D, for starters, and, like, so it's a very different kind of environment. And Spider-Verse, like, that movie just looked unlike anything I've ever seen. And just it really so does. crazy fucking cool. They definitely pushed animation to, like, into a new direction that we haven't seen before, which is what you should be doing if you're going to be doing these movies. Exactly. And, like, so I guess the kind of last part of this whole conversation really just comes down to release date... And, I mean, Teen Titans Go, this is, I mean, we have, what, what, what movies did we have so far? We had Black Panther, we had Avengers Infinity War, we had Deadpool, mm-hmm. uh, and I miss, and, 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 and the Wasp. So this is the fifth comic book movie that we've already had this year. Four, fourth, if we're just counting this summer, uh, we're obviously later this year still getting Venom. We're still, we mentioned Aquaman earlier this year, and those mm-hmm. both, I think, come before uh, Spider-Verse. So... Like, I am quite, like, the only thing that I'm left questioning is just how they exist within the marketplace so that they are kind of separate from every, from all of the live Mm -hmm. action stuff. Okay. All right. Well, let me ask you this real quick. Uh, Since we talked about uh, the live action Teen Titans show, which is just called Titans and coming to the DC streaming service, DC Universe, that's what it's called, right? You got to preview that. Oh, I did, yes. And it seems like it's going to be pretty cool. Can you tell people about that real oh, quick? Oh, real quick, absolutely. So, uh, like, during uh, Comic-Con, they actually had this whole big activation for the DC Universe where, like, they did some really cool stuff. Like, for example, they set up a, uh insane asylum where I got to dress up in, like, what's essentially uh, paint overalls and just go into a room and beat the shit out of stuff with Bat. It was it was awesome. <laughs> it was crazy, crazy fun. It was, like, 45 seconds, but, like, the most stress-relieving moments of my entire life. It was wonderful. Uh, but the larger Sounds part- like you might need to do that on a regular <laughs> basis, Eric. Uh, I have too much breakable stuff in my apartment. I can't. Um, so, but, like, but the larger thing is, is I also got an exclusive look at the beta version of the DC Universe uh, streaming app, and I have to mm. say, like, I like I am going to subscribe to this uh, as soon as it becomes available because I just I was really really happy with it. It has its uh, library of movies is shockingly deep. Mm-hmm. It goes all the way back to obviously the Good. the first uh, Christopher Reeve Superman movies. Uh, mm-hmm. Importantly, doesn't 
uh, ignore the bad stuff. Like uh, one thing yeah. that I saw very prominently featured was the Supergirl movie, which actually is mm-hmm. coming to Blu-ray very soon, but uh, is not considered the brightest moment in DC's history. Uh, along yep. some other lines, they have a ton of TV shows, uh, everything except for the Arrowverse, just because that's currently caught up in a contract with uh, Netflix, Netflix, so they can't do that. Yeah. However, uh, if you're looking for like the old animated shows uh, from the 90s, like Batman mm-hmm. the Animated Series and Justice League, which both of them I absolutely loved, so and those are going to be on yeah. there. And again, on the not-so-great side of things, I don't know if you ever saw uh, the uh, live-action series Birds of Prey, but it was a hunk of junk. I tried. And you'll be able to actually watch it in full on the DC Universe streaming service. Um, but I will also just add that the thing that really kind of makes it special and that I'm honestly most excited for audiences to kind of engage with is not only does it have all of the movies and television shows, which is like what a streaming service is, that's how we've come to know them, uh, but it also right. includes a ton of comics, like thousands of comics where just like from all eras, like you can go back to like Golden Age Superman to uh, like oh, one thing, like the George Perez Wonder Woman, which is some of my favorite DC writing ever. Uh, and it's, and yeah. also, but like, also they are like... Uh, doing like special spotlight sections. So for example, uh, one thing that they showed us was like a section about Flashpoint. So uh, not only would it highlight stuff, I mean, well, actually, well, I guess Flashpoint's a weird example simply because uh, like you would normally have like season two of Flash in there, but you also have this event from the comics and you have like just kind of all the different things that feed into it. So you have like just kind of these special areas that kind of allow fans or not even fans, people who don't know much about this material and want to know more. It gives them a portal to kind of go in and, Deal and just like dig in at their own leisure, right. and it's cool, man. I, I I I I I'm very like I am very excited with what they're putting together, and just DC, if not just because I mean, Marvel. They have, obviously, a large legacy of comics. Marvel Unlimited is a great mm-hmm. uh, service for uh, digital comics. However, they're, they don't have that many movies. It's not like, all in one place, though. Exactly. Yeah. It's all spread out. They don't, they, they don't really have that many movies. Their, their shows, uh, they have like the X-Men animated mm-hmm. shows and Spider-Man animated show, plus like the 60s Spider-Man. But it, their catalog doesn't run as deep. So like DC actually has a, has a library that is unique, and I love to see how they're exploiting it in this way. I think it really is something special Mm -hmm. and uh i'm just like and you mentioned the fact uh, like that uh they are like titans is going to be their first streaming service but their first original program i should say uh but they're also working on doom patrol series they're also working on swamp thing series they have an animated uh harley quinn series they're bringing young justice back uh after being canceled after its second season which i'm terribly excited for i actually got to sit down uh with some with the with the uh the showrunners and a few of the actors at comic-con to kind of talk about what to expect uh, and, nice. uh, you know, it's, I, I'm very excited for the return of that show. And, you know, so I, like, I, I think the streaming service is going to be something special. And unfortunately we don't have an official release date for it. They haven't uh, specifically yeah. said, but it's coming this fall. And when it does, I'm sure that you and I will be talking about it a lot more. Absolutely. All right, Eric, we have actually made it through the end of this week's show. Yeah. I get to go to sleep now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Before you go to sleep, yeah. tell people what's coming up for you. So tonight, uh, I am actually going to be going to see Christopher Robin, which is the new movie with Ewan McGregor Aww. and his whole uh, yeah. Winnie the Pooh gang. Going to be uh, getting to do some roundtable interviews with Ewan McGregor and Haley Atwell, uh, plus the director, and getting one-on-one time with Jim Cummings, who is the uh, amazing voice actor and provides the voice for both Winnie the Pooh and Tigger uh, in this movie. So I'm terribly excited for that. And I'm also talking to Brad Garrett of uh, Everybody Loves Raymond fame, who's voicing Eeyore. Eeyore, who, uh, obviously. Honestly, 
And Eeyore, like, of all the characters in Winnie the Pooh, Eeyore is the character that is closest to my heart. So uh, I am very, very yeah. excited for the opportunity. <laughs> On Saturday, this is crazy cool, and I'm not even 100% sure that I can talk about it fully at length right now, but I'm going to do it anyway because whatever. But on Friday or on Saturday, I am actually going to be headed to Fox Plaza, better known to diehard fans as Nakatomi Plaza, for a special 30th anniversary event for Die Hard. And I am actually going to be going into the building, getting a special tour where I get to see the different shooting locations for the film. Do you have to do it barefoot with bloody oh, feet? Oh, well, I've got to take my shoes off as soon as I get in there. That's, that's guaranteed. <laughs> I don't know if they, like, they may have to like chase after me and like say, put your shoes on, Mr. Eisenberg. Like, this is not this is not what you do here. Uh, but, you know, I, I, I'm going to try. Uh, so expect I, I, I'm going to have a ton of fun with that. Uh, I'm also going to be see, uh, the new Thriller Searching uh, with John Cho, which is a new movie uh, that is entirely one of those films that takes place entirely on it, like computer screens and phones and all that kind of stuff. Um, so that's something very exciting. And then uh, lastly, next week, before next week's show, I am going to be doing a special uh, preview day at Walt Disney Animation for Wreck-It Ralph 2, uh, Ralph Breaks the Internet, That's uh, which I am, that's easily one of the movies that I'm most excited for in the rest of 2018. I am. I loved the first mm-hmm. Wreck-It Ralph so 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 much, and uh, I am mm-hmm. totally totally pumped. So uh, hopefully by the next week's podcast, I will be able to discuss all of that. So okay, yeah. cool. <laughs> so much amazing stuff coming up. Yeah. That is it for us this week, guys. Be sure to subscribe to the Hero Blend Podcast on iTunes. Drop us a review. Tell Eric that you love him <laughs> and you respect all the sleep he now needs to get. <laughs> Because he worked his ass Please off. Please tell me that Comic-Con. the Comic Con footage was all that stuff was worth it. Please. <laughs> totally 100% worth it. Make sure you let him know. Um, be sure to tune in also to Hero Blend Live next week on Cinema Blend's Facebook page. Happens every Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern. That's it for us this time, guys. As always, thanks for listening and be sure to tune in next week. <laughs> <laughs>